0: To the book of James. We're in James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. So I'm going to read James 5 through 8 to you. This is the second sermon in the series, and so shout out to our tech guys who recorded the sermons, and they do that every week. How will they hear without a tech guy, I think is the biblical reference. And so we're thankful for you all And you can listen to that sermon. That's important because of the prominence of verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And how that theme really carries through in James and is part of the structure of James. So you can go on our website and listen to that. And if you're not present here with us this morning, you can listen to this sermon again. Um, But I hope to hold your attention and let's pay attention now to James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that, that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that your Spirit would lead and guide us, that your Word would do as you promised. It wouldn't return void. We pray you would produce in us the kind of character and behavior that reflects what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We pray you would accomplish this through your Spirit, in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. So this is in no way, shape, or form a movie recommendation. But there was this movie, and I'll tell you about it. There was this movie, and it is your own fault if you figure out which movie this is and subject yourself to it. Okay, it's your fault. Somebody figured it out at the 9 a.m. service. But there was this movie, I mean, this is years and years ago, and it depicted aliens invading the earth, and the hero of this movie came across some special sunglasses, and when he put on the sunglasses, he saw life as it really was, and it turned out these aliens had infiltrated, They look just like us without the glasses, but somehow serendipitously he comes across these glasses. I don't remember the movie, but he puts the glasses on and he sees these hideous aliens. And as it turns out, they had infiltrated all of culture on this globe. And so he sees ordinary dollar bills, but if he puts the glasses on... Instead of dollar bills, it says, This is your God. And the aliens have projected this message that has lulled people to sleep and changed their opinions about everything. Every billboard, instead of seeing a beautiful depiction of whatever product is being advertised, the billboards with the glasses on, the sunglasses on, say in bold relief messages like, stay asleep or no original thought and people don't know that there are aliens among us in this movie and it's by wearing the glasses that our uh, hero is able to liberate the globe and save the world through a lot of gratuitous violence and i tell you about that movie because really when you think about wisdom which is that issue here you read in verse 5 if any of you lacks wisdom you can think of wisdom are like those glasses that you put on and you see the world for what it really is and you see what's going on and the problem is a lot of christians i'm talking inside the church Christians just don't exhibit wisdom. I mean, if you were to think, I'm, I'm picking on us a little bit, I'm sorry, but if you were to think, and especially if you go back to 2020, Christians were not acting wisely. We were acting in ways that were influenced more by the world or worldly leaders than we were with God's Word. And if you think about, if any of you lacks wisdom, so this passage of Scripture states, and and this might be offensive to to you, that we lack something. We lack something. In fact, the previous verse says that part of what God does is He puts hard things into our life that we might be perfect and complete. He puts trials in our life. That we might verse four be perfect and complete lacking in nothing and the problem is one of the things that we lack from time to time is wisdom and sometimes we lack wisdom because we've been influenced or colonized by a different way of thinking rather than what god has for us so my encouragement to you today is really to put on the glasses of wisdom To be able to see, to be able to discern, to know what's going on in this world and not be held captive to it. I mean, after all, we're told in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, we're told there, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we lack wisdom. Well, what is wisdom? we got to define our terms. What is wisdom here? If we lack something, it's called wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom, I would define it this way. It's the capacity to understand and to act biblically. So wisdom is not just intellectual facts or to know what is happening and about something, wisdom has a practical side to it that sees, interprets, perceives how things are in reality, and then knows how to act biblically. So wisdom is the capacity to understand our situation and to act biblically, to act in ways that give God glory and are not just captive to the world's way of thinking. So the reality, and here's where we're going to start, is that we need to apprehend that we lack wisdom. And we read of that in verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom. So how did we get here? How did we get to this place where Christians are more influenced by the world than by biblical thinking? How did we get to the place where people don't behave wisely. Well, if we look at verse 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, we know there will be hard things in our life, hard times in our life. There will be trials. And we lack wisdom sometimes because of the pain of those trials. And you know how that goes. I mean, think about it for a moment. If, if if we're hammering, you know, and I'm really, ooh, I'm really working on it. And then suddenly I hit my thumb. Have you ever done that? And and what do you say? <laughs> I know it's what you say, it's not what I say. <laughs> But you hit your thumb, suddenly the pain of that experience becomes the absolute focus and you are no longer hammering or working on whatever you're doing, you're focused on the pain. And so pain forces us into a place where we lack wisdom and we can behave in sinful ways, we can respond in ways that are ignorant or showcase our own stupidity. Pain can drive us into these kinds of responses that are not from a place of wisdom, but really from a place of fight, flight, or fawn. So fight seems like everyone, every place is ready for a fight these days. That's one of the responses out of foolishness, not wisdom. Uh, flight is running, escaping, escaping. Uh, you can think, well, the world may be going that direction, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flight, I'm going to escape by just being with my family. My family's okay, and so this is a flight response. Or fawn, which is just to freeze. So any, any of these responses, fight, flight, or fawn, are a result of being in pain. Not only can pain make us act in ways that are unwise, but we can also lack wisdom when we're prideful. Remember, James opens the book of James addressing this pride issue at least implicitly. James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, had every reason to promote himself based on this relationship, but he doesn't do that. We looked at this last week. Instead, he describes himself, verse 1, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So pride, which is basically thinking a lot about ourselves and little about God, leads us to a place of lack of wisdom. Because, see, we don't grasp reality that God is high and exalted, and we are not. Uh, If wisdom is the capacity to understand our situation, to understand reality and respond biblically, pride prevents us from seeing that. Pride prevents us from seeing our situation as we should. So pride or pain in the midst of a trial can lead us to a place where we act without wisdom. And this is true for Christians. This is also true for non-Christians or from those who believe different religions. Now, I got an example, remember, I mentioned inside the church we lacked wisdom This is outside the church, people lack wisdom, so I want to be an equal opportunity offender here. In this one, I'm going to read a direct quotation to you uh, about someone who's talking about their preferred pronouns, and I want you to pay attention to how you respond to this, what your instinctual response is to this. Okay, so this is an interview conducted And this is a direct quote. Okay, this might sound stupid, the person says, but I don't care. I don't think this is offensive, but I don't want to go by he anymore. I just want to go by tree. I want people to call me tree because we all come from trees. So it doesn't matter if you're a he or a she or a they or a them. At the end of the day, everyone's a tree. I want, to call my, I want to call my friends tree, and me tree, and everyone tree. So I think, like now, when people ask me what my preferred pronoun is, I'm going to say tree, and then he adds, I'm not high, by the way, this is just me. Pretty crazy, right? Because if we're told to follow the science then you would look under a microscope at a cell from a human being from a mammal and a cell from a tree and you would notice the cellular structure is different. So therefore we don't all come from trees. This is a denial of reality, isn't it? And the key thing here is when someone talks like this, and, and I, hope, I hope all of us, because there's no one I would more trust to be in the presence of a person talking like this than you all, my encouragement to us is we've got to respond with compassion. We've got to respond with love and mercy, because I think that is the response Jesus would give. Now, understand this. There's no compromise of theology or reality. There is no affirmation that this is okay. This is not okay. This is not reality. We are not trees. We don't come from trees. If you want me to call you tree, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going, you know me, I'm not going quietly and I'm not going to do it. But at the same time, that's not permission to be offensive and unloving. Do you follow me? if you and I are going to have the important conversations about Jesus that we need to have in this day and age, if we're going to have the important conversations about wisdom, I want to tell you that we have been influenced to really respond in some unloving, maybe even hateful and aggressive, angry ways at something like this. Because really, and it is challenging because... If we're going to call everybody tree, well, then the very fabric of society is in reality is coming unglued. And so it makes us anxious and nervous. But what I want to tell you is let's respond from a place of wisdom. Notice I said respond. That's different than just reacting. Okay, so the response is to have a good Christian poker face. That's interesting, you would say that. How did you come to the conclusion that you're a tree? Not ridiculing a person, laughing at them, but responding with tenderness and compassion. You know, this young individual, this young gentleman, got to this point for a reason why not those who are followers of Christ take the lead in asking, well, what led you to that? Is there some kind of pain or hurt? How does the Bible and the truth of the fact that God loves us intersect with this young man's story? And how are we as Christians called to wisely enter into it? You see, the thing is, There's so much anger in our society, so much anxiety, that if we react from that place, we're never having the spiritual conversation. So my encouragement, certainly there's a lack of wisdom in that conversation. Lack of wisdom is the problem. But the good news is when we compassionately respond, instead of getting kind of sucked into the uh, theatrics, and anger of our age that's so characteristic of our age, we can have compassion together without agreeing, because I don't agree with that, without agreeing. And we can be firm in what we believe in, and loving, mercifully, inviting people to explore what a relationship with Jesus Christ looks like, what reality looks like. So lack of wisdom is the problem. Good news. There's a solution, and the solution is given to us right here. Look at verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, here's the good news. Let him ask God. There's a solution to the lack of wisdom. There's a solution to the stupidity and foolishness we see all around us, and possibly we demonstrate on a daily basis, and it is to ask God. To ask God. To go before Him in prayer and to ask Him for that which we lack, that He would supernaturally provide that. God is the ultimate repository of infinite and eternal wisdom, and He invites us here in this passage to ask God. But what's the reality? We'll ask anyone but God. We will ask Oprah or whatever kind of personality is out there. And I'm not picking on Oprah or maybe I am. <laughs> we'll ask anyone. We will dedicate hours upon hours to different influencers or personalities. And we will listen with every intention, and we will not ask God. When we have a health crisis, because a health crisis is a kind of trial, and James addresses it in chapter 5, if, if we have a health crisis, who do we go to? Dr. Google. That's who I go to. He's open 24-7, and if you're skilled enough, you can get that doctor to tell you exactly what you already believe. And so, what this passage puts forth is to ask God. And why would we ask God? Look at verse five who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Oh, that's good news. If we lack wisdom, we can ask God. Well, why would we ask God? Look at his character. Look at the very character of God. He gives generously. He will give that wisdom. So he gives generously and there is a certainty it will be given him. Now he gives to all without reproach. And you can think of reproachful giving as like, fine, take it. God doesn't give that way. If you have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, you are his child. He loves you with an everlasting love and he will give you the very wisdom that you lack. So if you're in a hard situation, a trial, and you feel the pain of that trial, you can go to God and ask him for wisdom. If you have an upsetting situation in your life or a relational difficulty, and you need wisdom for how to navigate it, let him ask God. Why would we ask God? He gives generously to us. And there's certainty. It will be given him. So the application is pretty simple. Let's start asking God. Let's maybe stop listening so closely to those who don't share our world and life view and try asking the one who has the sum total of all wisdom and knowledge in the universe. I mean, think about it for a minute. We will watch and engage with endless media. I mean, you have this app on your phone, it tells you how much time. If you want to be convicted, look at that thing on your phone that tracks how much time you spend on the phone. Woo-wee! And we pay attention to, to that, but we fail to ask God. So we can ask God, God is more willing to give to you the wisdom that you lack than you are to ask him. And so ask him for that wisdom. Look to him. Think about it for a moment. We will engage in hours upon hours of listening to different news or podcasts or analyzing of what's going on in the world It'll take you about 11 minutes to read all of James. I time myself. I'm not the fastest reader. Take you about 11 minutes. Get all the way through James. Do we have that kind of time where we would ask God for wisdom? So what's the problem? We lack wisdom. There's a solution. We ask God. But there's a certain kind of asking we need to do. Certain kind of asking. And that's talked about here in verses 6 through 8, asking in faith. Now, this faith is, I think, a dual meaning both for those who have been converted, those who are Christians, those who have faith in Christ. Yes, I think that's part of it. But of course, it's this believing faith that we come to God with. Let him ask in faith, that when you go to God saying, I lack wisdom, and you're confessing this, that you would ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. So there's no no certainty, no foundation for the one who is doubting. Of course, we struggle with doubts at times. I mean, Perhaps the classic example is Thomas in John 20 saying to Jesus, I won't believe unless I put my hand in his side and touch his wounds. And what does Jesus do? He's compassionate. He's merciful. Here you go. He obliges that request for the certainty of faith. Certainly we struggle with doubts at times. But this is an invitation to have a believing faith whereby all our doubts are cast upon the Lord. Our struggle is within the realm of the certainty of the faith that we have. Verse 7 continues this theme about doubting. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Why would the Lord... Answer, a person who is like this, and then you get the real meaning of this doubting is unpacked in verse 8. He is a double-minded man. Now, what does this mean? This means a person with divided loyalty. Instead of double-minded, it would make sense to us if it said two-faced. We understand what a two-faced person is. They betray their... One minute they're over here, and the next minute they're over here. And that's what's in mind here. The double-minded man has no ultimate loyalty to God. So the meaning of this passage is, why would a person who has no loyalty to God, why would God be loyal to them? Because you see, God is loyal to His people. How loyal? He gives generously to all without reproach and there's certainty that he, it will be given him. And so if you don't have that kind of loyalty, it's indicative of where your faith is, and it would make no sense for God to answer your prayer for wisdom if you don't have that relationship with him through Jesus Christ. So he is double-minded. And then look at this, unstable in all his ways. There's a proverb that intersects with this. It's not in Proverbs, it's in Isaiah. Isaiah 7, 9 reads this way. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. If you're not firm in the faith, you won't be firm at all. And it makes sense because if you really compromise on part of your doctrine, you really have compromised on all of it. If you're not firm in certain areas, you won't be firm anywhere. If you, for example, give way with regard to the biblical definition of marriage between one man and one woman. If you give way on that, you've given way to everything. You're not firm in anything. Anything goes, in point of fact, once you compromise Genesis 1 through 3. And so asking in faith is about going to God, the certainty that he will answer our prayer for wisdom because of his loyalty to us. The one who is not loyal to God, who is double-minded, who is sitting on the fence, as it were, is unstable in all their ways, and they must, the remedy for that is to believe on jesus christ and so you have here first we apprehend our lack of wisdom then we ask god for that wisdom and we ask him because he generously provides it and answers that prayer and we ask in faith that god will give us the wisdom to discern in the midst of our pain and trials The spiritual good that he is doing in our life, as he matures us, as he sanctifies us, verse 4, perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It is vital that Christians today are wise, thinking God's thoughts after him, rather than sitting under the tutelage of those who don't share our spiritual beliefs, faith, or convictions or ethics, even. You know, think about it for a moment. Around this time of year, you'll start to notice these little mounds appearing in your yard of fire ants, right? And we all have our preferred method of dealing with fire ants. I mean, there's the old kick it open and, and the little package of poison says to use a tablespoon, so you use a cup or two <laughs> and just to make sure. And and then on the other end, some of you do the organic means of treating fire ants, and um, you know it's amazing. Fire ants only have two predators: human beings and this certain kind of fly that likes to lay its eggs into fire ants. They're quite the predators. They're quite the little predators, aren't they? Fire ants. And the thing is, when you treat them, you notice something. They just move three feet over. You know, didn't I I put poison on that? Yeah, and now they're right over there. And so, you know, you do what I do. You kind of go all the way around, and then the two cups on top of the mound. There. How about that? And the thing is, it's a constant battle, isn't it? Especially if you have neighbors that don't treat their fire ants. They like to come over to your yard too. And the idea is there is this movement to really try to colonize you. As as we treat this mound, the colony moves over. It, It moves over, and so there is this colonization that happens to Our minds, and instead of having our minds transformed by the truth of God's Word, we're transformed by whatever we most closely listen to and immerse ourselves in. And so the call again is that our minds would be transformed, that we would come to God because our world needs Christians to act wisely in this society, and not just react the way we've been trained by this world. Try asking. God will answer that prayer. Try asking for wisdom when we need it. Let's pray together. Lord, indeed, we ask that you would help us to have the humility to realize when we lack wisdom, and that you would guide us and lead us to come to you, to cast ourselves on you and to ask you for the wisdom that we need. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to apply that wisdom in the conversations and interactions that we have in the world around us. People need to hear the hope of the gospel. And so, Lord, we pray we wouldn't just react the way we've been trained in evangelicalism, but instead we would respond the way the Savior would with love with grace with truth with mercy that we as your followers would see your kingdom come and we pray you give us great compassion on those around us who lack wisdom like we do and we pray this in Christ's name amen